we're going to turn to God's Word now, and we're going to read. Um, we've been looking at um, Matthew's Gospel in the mornings, and um, we're looking at continuing to look at the Sermon on the Mount in the evenings. And, and our, our titles in the mornings has been um, Kingdom Come. And I guess the Sermon on the Mount is really Jesus' manifesto for the kingdom. It's really like how to live out the values and the priorities of the kingdom. And when we talk about the kingdom, we're talking about what the Bible calls the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and the Bible uses these two words, kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, kind of reasonably interchangeably. Uh, so that's what we're talking about. So... Um, we had printed on our order of service, and, and as I had to apologize, apologize and I to our there earlier for changing this, but we had printed on our order of service that so we would read from verses 25 to 34 of Matthew 6. But uh, the very first um, word of that passage is the word therefore. Uh, and whenever we see a therefore in the Bible, well, we have to ask, what's it there for? Uh, <laughs> and therefore, <laughs> oh, we're on a roll tonight, aren't we? The word therefore usually means bearing in mind what I've just said. So tonight, we, uh, so tonight we're, we're therefore going to read from verse 19. So we're reading from verse 19 uh, of, of Matthew's gospel, Matthew um, 6, reading from verse 19 and from page 971. So Jesus is teaching his disciples and he says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness." If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Amen. Well, the story is told of an exasperated husband who once asked his, his wife, Love, 
Why are you always worrying when it doesn't do any good? And she says, oh yes, but it does do good because 95% of the things that I worry about don't happen. Well, that's one way of looking at it, isn't it? That's one way of looking at it. But I guess we are all inclined to worry at least a little bit about something from time to time, aren't we? And I'm no exception to the rule. I I suppose there's a spectrum, isn't there? uh, At one end, there's thinking things through reasonably as we should. Uh, And then there's the other end of just like having an anxiety attack. Uh, And then somewhere along the way, there's the fine line, isn't there, of, of, of crossing over into worrying about things. But I think we probably can all agree that we do indeed live in stressful times in a stressful world. A little online research during the week quickly informed me that for all of the advances in our modern world, people are losing more sleep at night worrying about something or other than ever before. More people are off work with stress than ever. And more people are suffering from anxiety attacks than ever. And there's now this whole industry out there, isn't there, that's supposedly trying to help us to live more worry-free lives. There are more people in counseling, more people receiving therapy than ever before, more people on medication uh, being prescribed for these conditions than ever before. And the trend is steadily rising. According to to some of the the more recent annual data available from the NHS, prescriptions for almost 65 million items of antidepressants were dispensed in England in 2016. And that was an all-time high. And it was nearly 4 million more than the previous year. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Because all of these treatments can be helpful. And any of us may need to avail of them at some time in our lives. But, but these figures do show and reflect something of the levels of anxiety and stress and worry that we encounter in our society and in our lives. And may I also suggest how badly we need to listen to what Jesus has to say here in Matthew 6. You see, we can think of many reasons and many excuses in our lives to worry about things. We worry about our relationships and our our health, our children, our aging parents, our education, and then our employment. And, And, well, you can add in there your own list. But three times in this passage, three times Jesus says, Jesus commands us, do not worry. It's a It's a prohibition and it's aimed squarely at us, his people. But it's easier said than done, isn't it? It's easier said than done. And and how often have you been feeling stressed out and someone has just said to you, don't worry, don't worry. You just want to throttle them, don't you? I once seen a little fridge magnet and it said on it something like this. It was, if you're not having a nervous breakdown, then you don't understand the situation. But these words, these words in Matthew 6, they're not from somebody who doesn't understand our situation. These words, they're not just some platitude from some unsympathetic guy who has it all sorted and just telling us to pull ourselves together. No, these words, you see, spring from a life that is rooted where it should be. You see, to get what follows the therefore of verse 25, we need to get what precedes the therefore of verse 25. Because a a worry-free life is possible only in a life that is rooted in verses 19 to 24 of our reading. 
And a life rooted in these things, in these verses, acknowledges three things. Firstly, we see in verses 19 to 21, our treasure is in heaven. Our treasure is in heaven. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. You see, if we are living for any other kingdom than the kingdom of heaven, then that kingdom that David McClay reminded us this morning is worth giving up everything for. If we are living for any other kingdom or storing up our treasures in any other kingdom than heaven, then, well, of course we'll be worried. We'll be worried because our treasures here in this temporary fleeting world won't last. No, they'll be eaten, eaten by rust and moth or stolen away by thieves or, or lost in redundancy or a, a stock market crash or whatever. You see, if our financial investments or our, our employment or our stuff, if these are our treasures, then we'll be bound to worry about these things, especially in these days of, of political and economic uncertainty. So Jesus says, don't store up your treasure on earth. Store up your treasures in heaven. We see the second thing in verses 22 to 24. Our focus is on the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. This is about what we are looking at. What we are looking for. What is our vision? What is our focus on? You see, as Christians, our focus is on God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. As believers in the Lord Jesus, we have our faces set like flint towards the new Jerusalem. Our focus is on that place. And we can have a spiritual squint. We can be kind of looking at one place and looking at another place. We can have divided loyalties, divided hearts. But if we have a spiritual squint and we're an eye on somewhere else, and we'll have a problem, of course we will, because... Because no matter what or where that other thing is, that other place is, it won't last. It isn't dependable. Our treasure is in heaven. Our focus is on the kingdom of heaven. And thirdly, verse 24, our master, our master is the king of heaven. You see, Jesus says no one can can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. If money or materialism is our master, then of course we'll be worried. Because we'll never have enough of it. We'll always want more. I read of one American lottery winner. He won over $300 million on the lottery. And you know what? He's still doing the lottery. And he's still using the same numbers. Because he still wants more. If money is our thing, then we will never have enough. It won't matter how much we have, we'll still want more. And someone once said that that money is a useful servant, but a rotten master. Money, a useful servant, but a rotten master. So it's only when when we've got verses 19 to 24 in place that we can start to be worry-free. Our treasure is in heaven. Our focus is on the kingdom of heaven. And our master is the king of heaven. Therefore, therefore, says Jesus, I tell you, do not worry. Do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Jesus says, don't worry about your food or clothes. You see, when we've got our focus firmly on the kingdom of heaven, we won't need to worry about the basic things of earth. And that's the crux of the matter, because Jesus is pointing us throughout the entire gospel 
to God and the kingdom of heaven. In verse 33, Jesus says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. You see, if we seek first the kingdom of God, then we'll not be short of the basics, the basic everyday needs. If we are seeking first, pursuing God and his will and his ways, his kingdom, he will look after our other needs. Now, he doesn't say that he will give us all our other wants. He doesn't. But he will look after all our other needs. Verse 25, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Well, it's a good question, isn't it? Is life more important than what we eat and what we wear? You see, it seems to me that often in this day and age, you would almost think that what we eat and what we wear sometimes are the most important things. Seems that's what the world is becoming increasingly doing, eating, drinking, and shopping. And every day, everything around us tells us that everything else is more important than the kingdom of God. Look at the billboards, the magazines, the TV and the radio commercials. They're all trying to tell us what to eat, what to drink, what to wear. Millions of pounds spent by advertisers trying to make us discontent. Trying to get us to chase after these other things. Trying, in fact, to get us to worry about these other things. So every day we we do well to remind ourselves of the answer to Jesus' question. Yes, yes, there is more to life than that. If you're a Christian, then, folks, every day we need to get our perspective right. And if you're not yet a Christian, then Jesus asks you this question tonight. Is there not more to life than food and clothes? Is the most important thing the food that is in my stomach and the clothes that are on my back when they let me down into that hole in the ground? Is that it? Is that what it's all about? Or is there more to life than that? You see, it's a question that came to me over 20 years ago now. And it's a question that comes to all of us. What's life all about? Or maybe more searchingly, what's my life all about? What's my life all about? Is it just a constant battle to make ends meet, to to feed ourselves and put clothes on our back and a constant round of working and paying the bills? Or is there more to life than that? Is there more to life than that? You see, for the follower of Jesus, yes, 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 yes. Life is about so much more than that. It's about more than food and clothes. And Jesus says that if we follow him into that fullness of life that he offers us, then these things will, well, they'll take on a very different perspective. And we won't worry ourselves about them. Oh, that's okay, says you, you know. But just how realistic is this? We may have our treasures in heaven and our focus on heaven and our, our, our master is the king of heaven, but we've still got to eat and drink here, haven't we? We've still got to wear something here, haven't we? So, But this is what Jesus then deals with in the next couple of verses. 
And the first thing he advises us to do is look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. He says they do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? When I was younger, when I was younger, I was in a YOC. Not a young offender center. (laughs) Although that was close at times. No, I was in the Young Ornithologist Club um, in Cumber High School. Now, if truth be told, I only joined it so that I could get out of class for the annual field trip. But Jesus invites us to a little ornithology here. Look at the birds, he says. And you know, it's not that birds don't work. They do work. They work hard. They work hard for their food. In in fact, we often say the early bird gets the worm. Yep, the early bird gets the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese. But let's just stick with the birds Let's stick with the birds for the minute. They work hard. They work hard for their food. Searching and packing and and, and scraping and and unearthing it for themselves. They work hard, but they see they just don't seem to get too worried about it all. They just don't seem to get too stressed out about it all. And as they work away, you can hear them happily chirping and singing and cooing and maybe even sometimes just a little bit too early in the morning for some of us. But they just don't seem to be too concerned about making sure that they have money in the bank and a pension plan sorted. No, Jesus says they don't sow or reap or store in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Yes. Yes. Yes, you are. God is their creator, but he's our Father. Taking care of the birds is a little pastime for for God and he does it really well. We, on the other hand, are his children. He is our father, and that makes all the difference. And we need to get this. If you have trusted in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, then God is your father. You are a child of God. Let it sink in. And I know that Gareth spoke about this last week, but understanding that God is our, is our Heavenly Father, it's central to everything that Jesus says in the Sermon of the, in the Mount and central to everything that he says about the kingdom of God. Jesus refers to God as our Father 17 times in the Sermon on the Mount alone. In just three chapters, he refers to God as our Father 17 times. It's like he's really trying to tell us something. He really wants us to grasp that wonderful truth because that wonderful truth changes everything. You see, over the past few few weeks here, we've had the joy of welcoming a number of new babies born into the church here, into the church family. And and some of them were out this morning. It was wonderful. I've been getting to meet with the parents and, and the children and the love that those parents have for their children. It's just like, it's just amazing. And those dads are holding those children and they're like, I'm a dad and this is my child. And it's like there's nothing more important, nothing else matters. And they're so full of love for their children and so ready to provide. And that's the way the Bible tells us that God is with us. That's the way our Heavenly Father is with his children. And don't you think that those new parents have the next meal for their children sorted? 
Of course I have. Of course I have. God feeds the birds and he's their creator. Surely he'll take care of us. We're his children. Jesus' teaching on this comes just after his teaching on prayer. He taught his followers to pray, give us this day our daily bread. So do we think that the Father would ignore the prayer that the Son has taught us? No. And why do you worry about clothes? He goes on, see how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Look at the flowers. Jesus takes us from ornithology to botany. Look at the flowers. It tells us in 1 Kings 10, it says that King Solomon was greater in riches than all the other kings of the earth. Solomon was apparently one sharp-dressed man. But even he didn't have a patch on the flowers and the fields that God clothes. You see, as Christians, we believe in Jehovah Jireh. We believe in Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Last Sunday morning, Helen Warnock shared with us from the book of Ruth, and we saw there how the Lord provided for Naomi and Ruth, provided them with food and a family as they trusted in him. Debbie has just shared with us how the Lord has faithfully provided for her and her family over 20 years as they have been busy with Wycliffe getting on with translating God's word into the language of every tribe and and tongue and nation. The Lord provides. And I could tell you stories as well from my experience personally of of how God has faithfully provided for me through times of overseas mission, through times of of training uh, for ministry, and other times the Lord provides. You may well have other experiences, similar experiences of incidences when God has graciously provided. So then in our Bible reading, and as we move on to a conclusion, our Bible reading, Jesus takes us from the tranquility of the garden and the field to the busyness of the shopping center on a Saturday afternoon. To see all the people chasing after stuff, loading their bags and trolleys with food and drink and the latest designer labels. From the birds and the flowers to the pagans. That's what it says here. Verse verse 32. For Jesus says the pagans run after all these, these things. Pagans, unbelievers, often find their identity in food and clothes. And Jesus is saying that if we worry about food and clothes, we live just like pagans. And they notice that. But how much better if they instead see us trusting in our Heavenly Father to provide us with what we need as we trust in Him and live for Him. And you see, all this comes from verse 32, knowing our Heavenly Father and knowing that He knows what we need. Your Heavenly Father knows that you need. But you see, we can't just turn this on when we want it. This all comes from a good, healthy relationship with God our Father. And a daily communion with him. A daily walk with him. Give us this day our daily bread. Our trust and confidence in God our Father is provided to provide is rooted in a close walk with him. That's where it all starts. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. That's where it all starts. So So are we daily every morning, are we first thing in prayer and Bible study and praise, seeking first, seeking first God's kingdom? 
Seeking first him and his will and his way. Because if we are, if we seek first his kingdom, he will give us everything else we need to live for him. When we make our decisions, uh, uh, when the decisions of our lives are driven by our desire to seek first the kingdom of God, when our focus is on him and his kingdom, when we let him rule and reign in our lives, over our decisions, over our lives, we can know that we are at the center of his will. And we can rest assured that he will know our need and provide for us. So just as I finish, what's our bottom line for this evening? What does our Father want us to take with us out into the week ahead? Well, I believe that it's this. As God's children, our treasure is in heaven. Our focus is on the kingdom of heaven. Our master is the king of heaven. Therefore, says Jesus, I tell you, do not worry. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Shall we pray? Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father is present with us right now by the power of His Spirit moving amongst us, speaking to us from His Word. So let's take a moment in the silence and in the presence of our loving Father to give over to him those things that, that would worry us. Those things that would cause us to be anxious or stressed. Let's lay them at his feet and be open to receive what he wants to give us. Be open to receive from him gifts of faith and hope and love. Open to receive more of God himself. Let's ask him, the high king of heaven, to increase our vision of him to help us store up our treasures in heaven, to seek first his kingdom as we trust him to provide for our daily needs, to be all to us that we need for the days ahead, to live for him and his glory.